Blog Talk Radio. Radio Talk Show. I'm your host, pop art painter Jamie Rocks, and this is the big show. You found it. I sure I'm glad you did. Hey, I uh, I wanted to thank everybody for tuning back in. We were supposed to do this show the other day, and oh, the company we do our uh, show through were having some technical issues that day, and uh, so we had to reschedule. And you know, it's uh, it's one of them things. I love technology, ladies and gentlemen. When it works, when it works. Um, but it's all good. It's all good. It uh, it gave us an a, a extra couple days to get ready to put on a, a just a fantastic show for you. And speaking of fantastic, uh, we have a writer, director, author, all around uh, just really neat lady. Um, she made this, uh, her and cast, of course, uh, made this fantastic film that I watched the other day called The Lonesome Trail. This is a family-oriented Western um, and I, you know, I didn't know what to think going into it. I was like, well, you know, let's, let's see what's, what's going on here. Um, you know, and I got to tell you, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a, uh, a very cool film and, uh, and a good story and made you think, made you think. So without further ado, I would like to, uh, welcome our guest today. Uh, the very talented and like I said, just cool turned up to 10, uh, Mrs. Arlette Thomas Fletcher. Arlette, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, no, no worries. Anytime. Thank you for putting up with our nonsense the other day and having to reschedule it. I, I really appreciate it. I felt bad. Oh, it's okay. Oh, man. So this is very, this is very cool. Now, I know you've made two films I saw on your, according to IMDb, uh, on your IMDb page. Was this the first film or the second film? I was just curious. Uh, this is my first feature film. I've never made a feature film before. Oh, wow. Wow. I thought, I thought you had a film. Uh, mine film. Oh, I see. I see. I gotcha. Well, well, you know, sitting around one day... Everything's a rerun on TV, and, and Arlette says, I think I'm going to make a movie. I've written a book. Why not? How hard could it be? Oh, my gosh, Arlette. A feature film, that's a big deal. It was definitely an exciting uh, project to do. Um, I love Westerns. Um been watching them since I was a very small child with my dad, so... Um, was watching Tombstone um, with one of my favorite actors, Val Kilmer, and Kilmer and um, Sam Elliott and Kurt um, Russell. Mm. These were some great actors, and um, I truly just thought about, hey, wouldn't it be nice to write a actual Christian western? So I kind of, what? you know, started writing um, and kind of flushing out the story. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. They, uh, the whole Christian marketplace for, um, for film and whatnot uh, has really exploded. And it's, it's, you know, there is a lot of stuff out there. I don't know, you know, come to, I'm no expert by any means on that, but I don't have a, a Christian themed Western other than yours now that comes to mind when, when I hear the word, um, you know, Christian Western, the, the term Christian Western. And well, I, I think, think there should be more. Yeah, I think more are coming out. Um, I think a lot of people are now looking um, at Christian Westerns. Um, I think, um, you know, they're starting to realize that they can approach the topic. You know, they the closest thing to – um, a Christian Western that used to be out there. I think it was Heaven with a Gun, um, and um, mm. so the preacher actually had <laughs> that's a gun. So. Oh, yeah, that's uh, well. You know, it's interesting, and and I was talking to my wife about this, and I said, you know, the the Western genre and that period of history, really, um, you know, there was a lot of people got a lot of. Uh, you know, uh, closer to God, I would think. Um, and, you know, you're in a dangerous situation. Uh, you know. Growing up, I knew a lot of guys that, uh, you know, were knuckleheads and wound up going to jail for a minute, and a lot of them got some uh, preaching. Uh, and I'm not saying just because they, you're in a situation, you got to reevaluate things sometimes, you know. Um, and I think the the Wild West, was such, you know, the the cool thing about westerns is is it's such an American um, thing. And yes, it happened other places, and you know, Quigley Down Under, and, and yeah, of course. But the main thing, I mean, that was that was an American deal, and I think you portrayed it very well. You know, in in the the problems and dilemmas that that came up with the, uh, you know, it kind of reminded me of. To be honest with you, Arlette, it, and I'm not saying it, it. This was it. Just put that thought in my head. Was um, Gangs of New York? Gangs of New York. You know, um, where Daniel Day Lewis's character uh, was a native in Boston, there or uh, New York, I'm sorry. And he was, uh, you know, all oh, these foreign hordes are coming here and taking jobs and you know, and all this. Your your uh, prote- or the antagonist. Kind of ha- it, it, it rang to me. I was like, oh, this. And I imagine that happened quite a bit back in the day, you know? Yeah. Uh, People. Cattlemen did not like, um, you know, farmers taking up the, you know, the grassland uh, because they wanted mm. it for their cattle or sheep. Uh, they didn't want sheep herders coming um, because, you know, cattle had to eat grass and they needed. Uh, that grassland for that cattle. So they were very protective of it. And um, so a lot of times, you know, these situations would break out because of the fact that they were protecting their territory um, and their livelihood. Right. Right. Well, you know, it's it, it's a tale as old as time. <laughs> you know? And you portrayed it very well. You portrayed it very Thank well. You. I tell you, at the beginning of the film, I don't want to give anything away. I want people to watch this. But uh, I got to say, um, it, it was in the first couple minutes 
the preacher arrives into town, you know, and he's, uh, uh, I, I guess there's a, there's a scene where these two guys are, um, are walking by the saloon. They decide to go in and, and wet their whistle. And poor, um, I can't remember her name, Sister, uh, Sister oh, Francis Barnes. Sister Frances was out there with her yes. with her sign, and the way that actress, her face, she was not happy when she saw those guys go into that saloon. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I was like, yeah, this, this is probably, <laughs> you know, it's funny. When I was a kid, I grew up in uh, Detroit, uh, the suburbs of Detroit, and then moved down to the city, and uh, later when I was a teen, but... Um, Every summer, my grandparents lived in Oklahoma and, you know, had a farm, had a ranch uh, down there. And my parents, I think just to, uh, when I was out of school for the summer, just to, to get me out of their hair, um, I would have to go down to my grandparents every summer and, and you know, stay with them, hang out and uh, get some hard work, bale some hay, you know, uh, clear some fence rows and whatnot, all that kind of work, hard work. And uh, those those folks, very you know, you know, speaking of, of of religious people and whatnot, I know a lot of religious farmers. <laughs> you know, oh please, yeah, please work this time. You know, um, and it, it's funny since the pandemic, I've taken up organic gardening myself. Uh, we got a pretty big backyard. Uh, that all that happens back there is I mow it. And I decided, hey, we got all this property. Let's 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 grow some stuff. Never had a garden before, and I understand where they're coming from. <laughs> because you work a lot so of hard, hard work. It's a lot oh, of hard man. work, and yeah, a lot of farmers. Um, you know, um, I know my great grandmother was a very uh, godly woman, and you know, farming. You know, that's with the earth and. You know, you need your rain and you need good soil and, you know, you you, you know, you have to, if you're living off your land, you know, that's, that's, that's a big undertaking because if you don't bring in a crop, then, you know, you can't survive. Right. right. I'm telling you, Arlette, I live in South Florida. I have been praying that the iguanas will leave. My vegetables alone. <laughs> they come in like locusts. Crazy. Oh, Eat the wow. whole garden. Yeah, that was the first garden that happened. <laughs> and since taking precautions, I have everything aged up. And I say again. I said I guess they thought you planted it for them. Oh, I'm telling you, they, to them it was a buffet. <laughs> They're like, thanks, buddy. <laughs> we love you too. <laughs> Oh my God! Oh, I was—I I remember I was so naive. I, um, you know, and then they started making nests and laying eggs, and I'm like, and I, you know, fenced it off, you know, and put little marker. I'm like, well, here's where the iguana nest is, and oh, look at these little cute baby iguanas. They're great, and they all just headed right in a line like an army ant, uh, you know, <laughs> towards oh, wow. Like, oh man. Oh, I got to discourage this behavior. I felt like France, uh, Sister Francis when those guys went into the saloon uh, as far as the blood. <laughs> Not happy. Oh, man. Well, this is a great film. Now, this is your first feature film. Like I said, this is a big undertaking. 
before yes, I'm not in the movie business. I am I'm a painter. I paint pictures of people and stuff for a living. Been doing that a long time. But I started doing the podcast a few years back and uh, started getting uh, – I've known people in the picture business and whatnot, but I never really understood exactly uh, the ins and outs of it, uh, not like I learned since doing the podcast. You know, you talk to independent filmmakers and whatnot, and you really – it becomes very quickly uh, – you realize what an undertaking. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's – hard <laughs> you know this is a hard thing to do and the amazing thing now like i said i paint pictures i tell my wife i'm like yeah i got an idea for a painting you know and she's like oh great you know let me know in a day or two when it's done i'd like to see it no problem that's pretty much our our life now your business making a film this could take a couple years oh my god you know i mean can. um it definitely can. Uh, when we, I mean, you start the process, you know, you're in development, and in development you're dealing with, you know, all of the different things that are involved in the process, and you're dealing with, um, you know, investors. You're dealing with trying to pitch it. Mm. You're dealing with trying to find the money for it. Um and then you deal with the reality of whether you are going to get the money. I mean, you do your Indiegogo's, you do your Seed and, and Spark, you do all of those different, you know, campaigns, and then you find out whether you're going to get the money or not, you know. Um, oh, and, you know, That's if you find work. out that as an independent filmmaker that you're not going to get the money, then you have to figure out how you're going to do that. Um, in my case, um, this film was totally funded by my my family, my my husband and myself, and um, mm. it was a huge undertaking for us. Um, and the one thing about a film is it, it is a very thirsty project. I mean, um, you can budget for it, but oftentimes um, what you budgeted, it always expands, and you have to figure out you know, how you're going to pay for different things as they come up. Um, for example, in our film, we had a lot of VFX, we had a lot of CGI, um, and those, you know, we had to deal with VFX artists. Uh, we had to deal with, mm. you know, also reshoots. We, we, you know, just different things came up that, you know, you had to address. And this being my very first feature film, um, and it being a Western and a period film, um, you know, it was just a lot of responsibility. I mean, you need someone who can wrangle your horses. Uh, you need, <laughs> you know, to be able to – they tell you in film not to right. work with animals or children, um, but I did all of that um, in my film, and I had weapons. So you're dealing with weapons animals and children and so there was a lot of safeguarding um you have to train um your actors who will be riding the horses so um it 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 is something that you know you have to look at um you know when you're when you're trying to do your film um you have to look at that i was really blessed um to have um uh 
Stone Eagle Stables. Uh, the gentleman's name is Cowboy Barry. I want to just kind of give a shout out to him, um, Barry Lee oh, um, because he trained all my all my actors, um, you know, with the horses and did an excellent job. Um, and it was really um, a fun, fun experience because of what he did. Um, and then the other part of what he did was just being there on set. He's also in the film. Um, and um, I just, you know, really um, appreciated the hard work he did. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It reminds me, I was talking to a fellow a couple of years ago I had on the show, and he had, he had made a horror movie and shot it in Cincinnati. And I remember him telling me that they were at a park. They were at a, a local park. They've got permits and everything. And I, I think, you know, I'm, uh, I assume, uh, <laughs> but that's not the story. The story was is it's a bunch of zombies or something in the park. And, and he was doing a period piece. This was supposed to be during, like, the World War II era. And he said, what I didn't realize when we started was the park was in the flight path of the airport. And so about every five minutes, a big jet would go by and didn't fit. Didn't fit. You know, when you do a period piece, lot to it, lots of moving parts, you know. Um, yeah, oh, I didn't yeah. even think about actors being trained horse ride. Oh, my God. Yeah, because not everybody knows how to do that. Well, you know, not, it's, just, uh, not just being trained with the horses, but we also had an armorer. Um, his name was Rico Riaz, and um, he had to, you know, do safety training with the guns um, for oh, yeah. the actors. Uh, we also had stunt people. Rico Riaz was one of the stunt pe- people. Um, uh, a gentleman named Mr. Ramos was also one of the stunt people. We had four stunt people um, because, you know, some of the stunts that had to be done – you know, the actors, while we could train them, you know, we needed people who could do these stunts, who had done these stunts before. So these were professional stunt persons who were able to, you know, set everything up because of, you know, and I don't want to give anything away because of some of the things that happened to the preacher to make sure he was safe. Um, right. And, you know, just when the weapons were being shot, to make sure that everything was safe. Um, so it, it was really, um, you know, a big undertaking for a first feature film um, because there are a lot of moving parts and you have to be aware um, of these moving parts. I mean, we had a horse that, or actually horses, um, that we had gotten um, or secured to work on the uh, film, and they were supposed to be trained horses that were used to, you know, the sound of a gun Mm. going off. Well, Mm. when the first gun went off, the horse escaped, and thankfully one of our actors, who we were surprised to find out that he was able to do this, you know, was able to grab the reins and catch the horse before the horse, you know, kind of got away, uh, but... It was it was just an unexpected occurrence. So when you do these um, these films, 
you know, you really have to be prepared because different things can happen. Um, and, I, I mean, you know, we are all, and it was kind of funny because we're all running trying to catch this horse, and the horse is a <laughs> horse. You know, he's, he's taking that hill like a horse. We're taking that hill like right. human beings. So, you know, it's like he's like, stay ahead of us, and we're like, oh, my God, trying to get up this steep hill that's, you know, like a side of a wall trying to run up and catch this horse. And thankfully, like I said, the actor was at the top of the hill. And just at the moment as the horse was going by, he was able to grab it. And we were blessed because, mm. I mean, it didn't drag the actor. I mean, the horse just stopped as soon as he grabbed the reins. And now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www.jamierox.us. Metal Babe Mayhem is more than just an online store, it's a destination. MetalBabeMayhem.com carries over 150 rock and roll products, including clothing, jewelry, and accessories. Metal Babe Mayhem also offers shrine clothing and alchemy gothic jewelry. In addition, Metal Babe Mayhem founder Allison Metal Babe Cohen is a rock and roll journalist who supports local and national artists with rock and reviews, interviews, playlists, networking, and more. Metal Babe Mayhem is taking over the world one shirt at a time. My Love Shack Apothecary online shop has everything you need to build a special gift for yourself or someone who needs a little pampering. I hand make all of the products in small batches using only plant-based ingredients and therapeutic grade essential oils. Whether you choose one of my curated sets or want to build a custom gift set, My Love Shack Apothecary has everything you need to send a little sunshine to someone today. Please visit us online at www.loveshackapothecary.com. That's www.love. S-H-A-C-K-A-P-O-T-H-E-C-A-R-Y dot com. As well as online on Instagram and Facebook. Links are in our website. Support for this podcast comes from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. Ranked one of the top cancer centers in the nation for the last 27 years. The doctors at MD Anderson treat more rare cancers in a single day than many physicians see in a lifetime. And treatment plans are tailored to an individual patient's needs, allowing more comprehensive and thorough care. To become a patient, please visit makingcancerhistory.com. Aloha. If you have stress in your life or even anxiety and panic, I want to invite you to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast for a way out. 
The Anxiety Coaches Podcast is a relaxing and inspiring show, bringing you lifestyle changes to calm your nervous system and help you heal. Heal anxiety, panic, and PTSD for life. We bring you two episodes every week. There's no need to walk this path alone. Join us for a relaxing, informative, and inspiring time and start your journey out of anxiety panic. That's anxietycoachespodcast.com. Aloha. Rockscare, the online webshop of high-end luxury merchandise and products. All featuring original pop art paintings. From La Holla to Miami to London, www.merch.jamierocks.us. Right. Well, horses are like that, too, you know. They they like somebody in charge. They like a captain yeah, at the wheel. Um, you know, it's... Uh, it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. But I'll tell you, an Henri Horace will lock you into trees. <laughs> oh, yeah. One that, uh, we, um, one that isn't we had, fun. Uh, we had horses um, that um, our, our, our one of our lead actors, Lamont Easter, had to be trained in um, actually working. And uh, Wayne Ward was the person who was the horse wrangler. We had a authentic wagon. Um, and he um, he passed on, but he actually worked with uh, Lamont Easter and taught him how to, mm. you know, manage the horses. And you talk about horses that, you know, he had to show him how to have the authority to, you know, oh, keep those horses in line with that, that wagon. It was two big horses. And, you know, they were great horses, um, and he had to, you know, train him, um, you know, with those horses. And um, it was really something um, to see him training because when he started out training with the horses, the horses, <laughs> you know, they were, they weren't paying him any mind. It was like, yeah, uh, we know you're not uh, our owner, and so <laughs> right. we're just going to go this way. And it was amazing just watching how things changed um, as he, you know, worked with the horses. And, you know, it's a beautiful thing when you see an actor working and then all of a sudden, everything starts to come together and the, you know, the training kicks in and then he's able to, you know, just, just feel great about what he's doing. And now the horses know he's got this, you know, understood. He's the boss. He's the boss. And they're listening because, you know, at some point, he had to be left alone with, you know, the other actor, um, you know, his wife, uh, uh, who was on the wagon, too. And he had to be left alone and guiding that wagon. So it was really something um, to see. And uh, so, yeah, it is. It, there are a lot of moving parts. Um, and when you're dealing with production, 
you know, you have so many things to be concerned about. You know, you want to make sure that everybody is safe, uh, you know, right. on your set. And you also want to make sure that you have everything you need. You find out sometimes you don't have everything you need, and then you have to, you know, work on getting everything, you know, organized. Sometimes you intend to shoot something one day. You're all set up to shoot it, and it rains. <laughs> you realize, you know, you check the weather, and when you check the weather, it didn't show rain, right? But then it it rains, and you're like, okay, you you have to quickly think about what can we shoot inside? What can we shoot inside? And so all of a sudden, you're shooting inside, getting everything together um, inside. Um, so you know, it's it's really something when you're dealing with these different things. And um, you just have oh, absolutely. to be prepared because it can change. Especially a period Western, you know. Suddenly you're inside. You're like, okay, we're going to be in the saloon. Oh, nobody has a deck of cards? What are these guys doing in the saloon? There's only a card game going on. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. One of the things I did like about your film was the use, you had mentioned it, of CGI, and I think that's going really to become more and more, we're going to see it, uh, civilians out here uh, in the audience, we're going to see that more because, uh, you know, it really, it, it was really done well in, in your case, um, and it wasn't distracting to me at all. I, I, I thought it was really, I'm like, it's kind of cool. It's almost like a stage performance with the actors in front and the CGI behind. I, I thought that was cool. I thought it was well done, you know. And I was thinking to myself, you know, this is an independent film, and it's using, you know, some of the same tricks that, that Disney's using on The Mandalorian and stuff, you know. Um, sorry, folks, I, I don't mean to spoil it for you. They don't shoot in outer space yet, you know. We just can't get there. <laughs> it's the way it is. <laughs> you know, deserts, no problem. You, you drive an hour, uh, you know, east out of L.A. and you're in the desert. Uh, not a big deal. Outer space, however. But same thing in the Western, though. Same thing in the Western. Um, but it was, it was really well done. I was very impressed with that. Also, the actors and whatnot. Hey, before I forget, and I don't want to give anything away, no spoilers for this film. I want everybody to watch it, but I will say this, and Arlette will know what I'm talking about. Um, one of the characters had some age makeup done, and this was practical, I, I assume. Um, really well done. Really well done. I don't want to say where in the film that happens or who it was, but Arlette, I know you know what I'm talking about. Uh, there was a wheelchair yeah, involved. Had, I will say that. <laughs> we had a young lady. Uh, we had a young lady who, um, her name is Sarah Anna Kennard. She did a very good job with the makeup, um, and it was a huge undertaking. And she did an excellent job. Um, so. Yeah, I'm sure she'll appreciate the compliment because she worked really hard. Oh, yeah, all of it, man, all of it. Here you're making a movie, and you're like, okay, we got a couple saloon girls. we got to find courses somewhere. Oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, I can't, the mind 
worlds with the amount of just smooth, like you said, moving parts that you had to deal with. I'm sure you yeah, had to deal with. Yeah, we had some, some great people. Our wardrobe manager was uh, Pat Jones, who did an excellent job with the wardrobe. But our wardrobe, uh, we were very blessed because Pat Shipley uh, really, really helped us with our wardrobe. Um, um, Pat Shipley of One Eyed Horse Productions helped us with our wardrobe, um, and, you know, we were nice. able to uh, get that together. Um, but uh, Pat Jones was a tremendous help as our wardrobe manager, just keeping everything in order because, you you know, it is so difficult, um, you know, when you have all that wardrobe and all those actors, um, you know, continuity <laughs> is very important. And the wardrobe oh, yeah. manager is very because that person makes sure that the person gets the right wardrobe, um, you know, and you don't want to see the saloon girl that you saw wearing a particular wardrobe in the wrong wardrobe. It throws everything off. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, these people are important. They're very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's a great film, and I want people to check it out. Um, we have links up also, ladies and gentlemen, and these links, when we convert this show to a podcast, these links stay active. Uh, we have a link to the uh, the main website, uh, thelonesometrail.com, very easy to find. Also, their Facebook page and their Twitter page we have up. Now, there is a Lonesome, uh, the Lonesome Trail Instagram page that I discovered the other day when we were uh, uh, rescheduling the show. I, I didn't know that the other day, but until the other day. So, I'm looking at the show page right now in front of me, and it's not on there. That will be fixed, folks, and it will be on there uh, just as soon as we finish the show. Um, and uh, so, you know, hold tight. The Instagram link's coming, ladies and gentlemen. It's coming. Uh, very, very cool. Now, Arlette, you, uh, you made this film. It's a great film. And you're all done. You know, it's a wrap. There you go. That's, that's all you know. I'm, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, one of the things that is amazing is uh, if you go to your the, the website, thelonesometrail.com, ladies and gentlemen, and you scroll down just a bit, you see all of these accolades, all of them. I mean, there's just a ton of them. Um, now, these are from various film festivals and whatnot. And, again, I'm not in the movie business, but I have picked up a couple things, ladies and gentlemen. Whenever you see – or, you know, you'll see a trailer, you go to the movies or something, and they say, you know, winner at, at so many film festivals and blah, blah, blah. What you have to understand is those film festivals don't just, you know, walk outside and there's a big box of movies sitting there. Um, there's, well, with that big box, there's usually a big envelope full of checks because people have to pay to enter these festivals. It's not a freebie. Um, that's not how that works. So, when you see, when I see, you know, 30 accolades or something, I know, well, they wrote 30 checks, but I also know they probably didn't get all of the winnings and whatnot, you know, at every time. So they probably wrote 90 checks. <laughs> you know, they submitted this to a whole bunch more in addition. Um and I think that's something that I, I've never – I didn't know that until I started doing the podcast and talking to film folk like yourself. Um, and in my, my, my little brain here, 
That adds up. That adds up quick. It has to. Um, you know, a, a hidden cost of making a fit. If you want people to see it, right? Got to get Correct. it out there. Yeah, I mean, you 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 usually, I would say you you might send it to hundreds of festivals. Um, oh. It all depends. Um, you know, you you know, you really need to have a festival budget. Um, that is something that's really important when you're thinking about uh, your film budget. I um, I didn't expect to send it to. Uh, so many festivals, but uh, you just, you know, you want to give give the film as much uh, exposure as you can. Uh, you want to hear back about your your film. You want to hear back about oh, uh, what is thought about it in the industry. So you send it to these festivals. And then there are the opportunities for distribution at some festivals. So, it, it you know, it, it is a good thing to do. Um, for for that uh, reason. No, it's amazing. It's amazing, and you know it's it, it's interesting too because I was looking at the accolades that you have listed on the uh, on the page, and I did notice I, I saw a couple. There was one that was a 2016. One was a uh, 2007. I said I didn't know they were working on this movie that long, and then I looked a little closer and I see best screenplay, and I'm like, oh. Oh, the screen was done, which that was the first domino, (laughs) and then, you know, (laughs) very, very cool. You want to get, you know, exposure for your screenplay. You want to find out if, um, you know, your screenplay is a good screenplay. So you send it out to also, once again, um, have industry people looking at your screenplay to determine you know, um, some feedback, you get some feedback, uh, which, you know, helps you make a decision about different things that you might want to tighten up in that screenplay. So that is a good thing to do. I mean, the other thing is when when you have a book, um, I know we haven't really talked about the book much, um, and the book's on Amazon, but when you have a book, nice. um, it's it's in adapting a book for a film, you you don't necessarily always tell the whole story. Um, there are parts that are going to be left out. Um, I know mm. for for my film, there are parts that are in the book that are not in the film, uh, and it also mm. the book actually adds more layers onto the character. You find out in the book why McCray is such a mean, ornery man. Um, right. So, but seeing it, you just think he's a horrible person, and he pretty much is. But um, <laughs> find out in the book well. figure stuff that is going on with this man, where it's coming from, what's the root cause of it. Um, you find out mm. uh, you know, that, and that's important. That's a very important part. Yeah, absolutely. So, and now, folks, a couple of quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free if you're a VIP member 
You can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www.jamierox.us. Hey, rockers. This is Stacey Lane Wilson, author and editor of the Rock and Roll Nightmares book series. I have a new podcast that features interviews with musicians, artists, authors, filmmakers, and music historians. In Season 1, I interview Phil Toussaint from Ozzy Osbourne's band, Scott Crawford, the director of the Cream Magazine documentary, Lisa S. Johnson, the award-winning author and photographer of the books 108 Rockstar Guitars and Immortal Axes, just to name a few. The Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast explores the dark and mysterious and sometimes funny side of music from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and beyond. Enjoy on RSS or anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. Glittering amethyst, energizing citrine, colorful fluorite, the other side of the sun, Earth's treasures brought to light. Since 1999, we have offered a unique collection of hand-selected minerals and gems for every budget, for novices, collectors, and healers. Visit www.tosots.com to view our wide selection of offerings and use coupon code ROCKS, that's R-O-X-X, for 10% off your first order. Remember... T-O-S-O-T-S dot com. Earth's treasures brought to light. Hi folks, Jamie Rocks here. Hey, if you're a big fan of uh, historical, cool historical books uh, like me, then you're going to want to check out our newest uh, show sponsor, Michelle Albion. Uh, fantastic author. She's got some really interesting, cool books out uh, that you're going to want to check out. I'm a big fan of all of these. Uh, the Florida Life of Thomas Edison, the quotable Edison, quotable Henry Ford, uh, quotable Eleanor Roosevelt, and of course the quotable Amelia Earhart. Uh, Michelle's just very keen and, and very very cool, um, and these are just very cool books. So check out her website. Uh, there's links to uh, where you can pick these up on Amazon and Barnes and Noble all over the place. Uh, MichelleAlbion.com, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-A. L-B-I-O-N.com. MichelleAubion.com. Very, very cool stuff. Check it out, folks. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Two thoughts I have. Two thoughts I have. I have a good friend of mine, and uh, and she's a budding author. She, um, uh-huh. you know, has, has written, she, she's one of those, you know the type, Arlette, you know, she's Oh, what are you doing tonight? You going out on the... T- no, I'm writing. That's what I'm doing. I'm, you know, working on uh, a few more pages on Chapter 11. And I'm like, mm-hmm. which book is this she's talking about? You know, because she has a bunch. But she's at that point where she just got signed and she got an agent and all this kind of stuff. And, and things are happening. It was a lot of waiting. And now she's in that yep. hurry up phase. <laughs> you know, things. A lot of calls. Jamie, can you look at this contract? I'm not a lawyer, but I've seen a couple. Let me, uh, <laughs> this is what this means, you know, uh, type thing. But I'm glad I'm there for it. I'm glad I'm there for it. 
But uh, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And it's interesting with film. I just had some some guests on the uh, the show last week, and they had uh, they had made again. We get a lot of horror films on on the the show, just uh, how it works out sometimes. But um, that's why yours was so cool because it was something different. Anyway, um, they had uh, taken a short story by a famous author, H.P. Lovecraft and made this uh, independent film, and, and and they were reading reviews. That's a big mistake, first off. Um, people that review, uh, internet reviewers, <laughs> just are a crazy bunch, and uh, most of them haven't done much, and, and they just, you know, they, they have a little bit of perceived power, and they go to town with it. Um, the thing is, is that some of the reviewers are saying, well, this doesn't, this doesn't sound like, you know, the Lovecraft I've read. And I'm like, Lovecraft, that would be like making a, a movie with Edgar Allan Poe or something, or, you know, Keats or Yates or something. It would be the most boring yeah. movie in the world. Nobody says these well, and nows. Yeah, they might at church. But, um, you know, there, there's you can't take a book and make it into a true one. And plus, it would be about 50 hours long, you know. Um, if they made Gone with the Wind, like the book, that, you know, it would be a miniseries. It would have to be, or a, a yeah. TV standalone there, there are so many aspects um, that are in a book. Well, books are meant to be intimate um, with one person sitting and having a cup of coffee or tea and, right. you know, or curled up in a blanket with, you know, turning the pages and, you know, getting into the story and nobody else may be around you, you know, readers like that, they, 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 they like the experience of a book, you know. Um, so, you know, film is a great experience. You can watch it by yourself or with others, but books, um, you know, people like to just curl up with books. I mean, a good book. Absolutely. And also, sometimes, you know, a person will read a book just to get them in a certain mode of, of a mood. And, you know, that mood, like Gone with the Wind, that that whole thing with the film, you know, it, it is such an exciting thing when you see uh, visually. I'm a visual person, so seeing right. films is very exciting for me. Um, but also reading books is exciting because, I visualize it, and, and the one thing about reading a book is you can paint the picture. You know what I mean? You can read it, but while if you see the film, you see the picture that was painted by the filmmaker. But when you're reading the book, you paint your own picture. Right, right, absolutely. It's uh, Lord of the Rings is a great example of that. I'm a, I'm a big Tolkien fan. Um, have been read those when I was a kid. I think I was ten or eleven when I first uh, read The Hobbit, and uh, yeah, just growing up with those, you know, just just and thoroughly. I've read them a million times. Sometimes I want to just get into a, a good mood. I'm like, you know what? I, I don't want space or robots or zombies attacking the city, you know, or, or whatever. I just want uh, they're like comfort food for me because I've grown up with them. And, uh, you know, and I love the movies. The movies are great. And I have friends that, um, you know, are a little nerdish. Uh, I say that lovingly. Uh, but they're like, 
so annoying. They're so they're like, oh well, that scene, you know, such and such had blonde hair and blah blah. I'm like, it's not important to the story, and who cares? Um, and I hate having conversations with them about that because they're just so, you know. Well, in the book, on chapter, you know, page forty five, it's uh, you know, blah blah blah. And I'm just like, come on, man, just to enjoy these people and and talk about crazy in those particular movies. Those people lived in New Zealand for what three years? Can you imagine selling that to some actors? Okay, you'd have to write a big check. It it is. it, It is like. I'll give an example of, you know, some of what's in the book. Uh, some of what's in the book, you know, requires a bigger budget um, to do. Um, you know, I mean, to have, uh, you know, all of that cattle um, and to be wrangling those cattle. Um, oh, yeah. That's oh, a man. huge thing. Um, you know, because you got to have the cattle. And I'm I'm saying you gotta have a, a whole lot of cattle. Um, and, and back in the day, you know, it wasn't. If you're gonna do it. People didn't have two or three cows. You know, they had two no, or three thousand they, cows. They had, yeah, you yeah. and it was like yeah. acres, acres of land right. where you saw these cattle all over the place. And you can do that with uh, VFX and CGI, but um, well, because you also have to be able to have a setup for your actors um, to be able to be there, um, you know, and you're shooting them against green screen and you're doing all of this and then you have to interject these cattle and um, it's it's a lot of work. So you can tell that story in the book. You can tell a story just about anything. You can tell a story of somebody skydiving um, in the book. Um, but as right. an independent filmmaker, you may not be able to afford to have a person skydiving in real life because the safeguards that you have to put in place for that person skydiving, um, whereas big budget oh, films in Hollywood, you know, they 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 have a person skydiving, but you better believe they have safeguards to make sure that actor is okay. And oftentimes it's a stunt person doing the skydiving. I mean, look at, you know, Tom Cruise. I mean, he does all his stunts, but, you know, uh, it's, it's a Well, he's kind of done that as a niche thing anyway, you know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's part of his yeah. brand now. But Yes, it is. You know, you, you, fabulous you look thing. at a movie – you look at a movie like Dances with Wolves, you know, and uh, they got all these buffalo in it and whatnot. I don't know. I'm sure like, you've seen the news every other day. Uh, you know, there's some white guy or gal in, in Yellowstone getting gored by a buffalo because they went up oh, and thought yes. they could pet it. Oh, yes. <laughs> buffalo. Can you imagine yes, filming? Yes. Bring in the buffalo. And all the actors are like, I'm hiding in the tree. No, thank you. <laughs> You know, yeah. um, they shoot actors with monkeys, like the little monkeys. No. Oftentimes yeah. they will do VFX and they will have a glass, mm-hmm. you know, that separates the actor from the monkey. I mean, they'll get shots of the monkey and different things. But when it comes to that holding the monkey, most actors are not willing to hold a mo- monkey um, no. because, you know, we've heard about how monkeys have ripped off people's faces and all kinds of uh, <laughs> things that have happened. 
So, you know, they're very strong animals. So, you you know, it, it is extremely expensive. And then not only that, you have to protect your your actors. You have to protect your crew. You know, you have a responsibility um, to protect everyone. And, you know, even when, when we had our draft forces, I mean, I don't know if you've, you know, uh, been around draft animal. forces or not. Oh, yeah. It's big. It's a big, big. horse, man. And Lamont, you were not going to win that fight. Was, yeah, when he no. was actually, you know, um, guiding that wagon. I mean, uh, oftentimes Wayne Ward would get out and have to, you know, push his horses with his shoulder to get them in, back in place and pull them back. And oh, yeah. I was like, man, it was a lot of work, but he did it. And, you know, those draft horses, they are very, very, very strong animals, and they're a little bit stubborn. Um, So, you know, they have to know that you mean business. Um, So you have to pull back on those reins, and you have to be able to say, ha, ha, you know, you have to be able to say it with authority. <laughs> get their attention. So yeah, you want you want them to get moving. Um, And, um. If you're not that person, and if you met Lamonti, so you might say, hmm, he doesn't look like a person that could do that, but he was trained to do it, uh, and he had a excellent job. That's awesome. That is awesome. You know, I was just reading uh, this book about the uh, making of the, the first James Bond movie, Dr. No. I think that was 1963 or something. Anyway, that's uh, the first one was Sean Connery, of course, was playing Bond, and there was a scene in that where he's in he's in the Bahamas or I can't remember where Jamaica, or, you know, somewhere in the Caribbean, doing James Bond stuff, and he goes to bed, and uh, the bad person puts a tarantula in his bed, and I did not know this until I read this in this book. Apparently, Sean Connery um, did not like spiders, kind of like Indiana Jones and Snake. He um, was not a fan. Not a fan. Wasn't going to do the scene. He's like, there's no way I'm laying in this bed with a spider. It's not going to happen. And I had never known this, but apparently when they did the shooting, like you were saying, with the monkeys, they put a piece of glass between him and the other side of the bed where the spider was crawling towards them. And, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> got to do what you got to do. a piece of glass between me and the spider. I don't like spiders either. So, I'm telling you, I don't know if you've ever seen a wolf spider. Oh, yeah. A wolf spider is a pretty big spider. And where I live, we have wolf spiders. And, you know, even if you stomp your foot at it, wolf spiders do not leave. They will stay there. No, shake your head. It'll just make them mad. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, they are not. I'm saying. You know, they, they may not be a black widow, but they're a pretty big spider. Oh, man. I remember one time we first I first moved to uh, South Florida here. Every year, we haven't knock on wood this year. Knock on wood. Um, and, and anybody going to church on Sunday, it, I would not be, uh, you know, uh, I would not be upset if you just, uh, in your prayers, say a little... Uh, Jamie doesn't need a hurricane because <laughs> there <laughs> happens every other year here and we're due for one. Anyway, um, knock on wood, it hasn't happened this year, but the first time it happened, we, you know, you got to bring, you got to secure everything. It's like a storm on a, on a ship. 
you, you um, so you got to bring all your outside stuff inside. And uh, because, you know, uh, lawn chairs going 100 miles an hour, not good for anybody. So one of the things I brought in was uh, a propane tank, you know, for the grill. Had an extra one sitting outside uh, and in the shed, and I'm like, well, we better bring that in secure. You know, we don't need a 100-mile-an-hour propane tank. That could be a wow. problem. So we bring it in. I set it down. Wolf spider apparently had made it its home in one of the oh. lips of the thing. Crawls out, and my wife loses. She's like you are, like, just loses. Oh, my, you know, loves animals, loves animals. There's yes. limits. Everybody has limits, though. <laughs> Spiders are hers. And she, uh, she had one in her car one day, and she was coming home from work, and she called me. This is a totally different story. I, I'm so sidetracked, but it was so funny. She called me, and she's on the side of the road. I'm like, what happened? Did you have a flat tire? Is something happened with the car? No, there's a spider in the car. I'm like, here. I had to coax her back into the car and get her home. I'm like, get home, and I'll take care of it. <laughs> so, but anyway, this wolf spider crawls out that. of the... Oh, man, I'm telling you. Well, this wolf spider crawled out from the thing, and it's on the floor. She's freaking out. And I said, don't worry, and I grab a, a, a mason jar off the shelf that here in the workshop and I cover it. The idea is to put a piece of paper under then take it outside and wish him well with the approaching hurricane. Hopefully he'll blow him far away. When I put the jar over him, it wasn't a him turns out wasn't a him. Who would have thought it was a mother and about, I don't know, 500 babies. Seems like it probably wasn't that many, but Oh, we're apparently all riding on her. <laughs> they didn't like, oh, my don't Lord. mess with my mom. Yeah, so it was, ever since then, my wife, anytime, she goes, I bet that's a mother spider. And uh, I said, well, it, it could be, but, you know, they, they eat bugs, so let's, we want them in the yard, not in the house. Um, but, yeah, yeah. So Arlette will not be making a film about spiders, ladies and gentlemen. Well, she might. You never know. Or um we're back. Oh, man. Oh. Arla, speaking of which, now I know you Hollywood folk, you know, can be very secretive about upcoming. And I know we understand we're, we're promoting the Lonesome Trail. And uh, folks, find out more about it at thelonesometrail.com. Uh, it's a great film. Are we just focused on the Lonesome Trail? Or um, can you mention... Are the gears turning for the next film project? Are you going to do this again, Arlene? Oh, yeah, I definitely plan to do other westerns. Um, but right. right now I'm working on an animated um, series called The Cat Face Cat, which uh, will be a nice. series, and I'm hoping to make it into a feature film. Um, and um, just, you know, I have a children's book called uh, Dreamer's Journey um, that will be nice. available on Amazon soon. Um, and I have another book called uh, Giving God's Love to Others, um, How to Show Christian Love Behavior, um, and that's going to be available pretty much all over um, in September. Um, we are also um, hoping to do a um, more or less a book uh, event for the Lonesome Trail, uh, kind of with a Western feel. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll probably do it virtually. Uh, and those who uh, purchase the book 
um, we'll be able to um, kind of, you know, give you a feel of uh, the story and we can talk about the story. We'd love to do an outdoor event, but, you know, with the numbers going up with COVID, we're not sure if that's going to be possible. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I, was and I was hoping to be able to have horses at the event and different things. Um, nice. But, yeah, the, the, those are the things that we're working on. So I'm working. That's on. amazing. That's amazing. Hey, speaking of COVID, you know, we've kind of gotten out of the habit of it, but I just want to say I, I hope uh, it's a heck of a thing, COVID. I, I never saw it coming, and, um, you know, I was very surprised. I hope your people, your tribe, everybody uh, around you in your circle, I hope everybody made it through okay. Uh, I know a lot of people didn't. Heck of a thing. And you're making a movie in the middle of it. Well, no, the the Lonesome Trail, um, you know, um, everything was kind of uh, already done uh, 2019 when when COVID hit. Um, So uh, it was going through festivals. So you're selling a movie in the middle of it. Yeah. (laughs) I was all about over the phone and email. (laughs) I did go to some festivals before COVID hit. Um, but yeah, um, the next film um, that we do, um, looking to do, um, we will probably be taking all kinds of safeguards um, when we do that. But the animated series is is, is a lot easier, a lot safer, um, you know, because you you're dealing with um, studios, and sometimes right. you know your actors can be. Um, they can be located where, you know, in their different parts of the states or, you know, they can be, if they have, like, professional um, equipment, you can have um, a lot of your sound work done. But I wanted to say something, too, about the sound. Yeah. Uh, Studio Unknown did a fabulous job on our sound. I also wanted to thank uh, Wayne Shipley uh, from One-Eyed Horse uh, because, uh they had built a town in Jessup, Maryland, and we were able to secure that town and um, make it into Red Springs, um, Montana, for the Lonesome Trail. Um, so I just wanted to thank them. I wanted to thank all my cast and crew um, for just all the wonderful work they did. Um, and I just, just kind of wanted to shout out to my husband, Kenneth Fletcher, who was so supportive, and my son, Joel um, Thomas, who was so supportive uh, for this, this project because – you know, it takes a village uh, to do a film. It's not, um, you know, just one person, but it's so many people involved in that process. And I'm just really grateful for all the people that were supportive, um, all my actors, all my crew. Um, and just when you were speaking about the airplane, um, on our set we had, we were right near the airport, so the sound people, <laughs> Studio Unknown, were able to clean up all of that air uh, planes nice. from our sound. Um, you don't even know airplanes, you know, were going by because it was all cleaned up. They did a fabulous job, uh, and just, just working with them was just awesome. Well, you know, that's very, very cool. And I, too, would like to give a shout-out to uh, your husband, Kenneth, because he is going, in my life, going to be used as an example. When I have some crazy uh, scheme, an idea that I want to do, and, and I have to sell it to my wife, Danny, I'm going to say, 
well, Kenneth, you know, jumped on board with our elect, so come on. you got to be like Kenneth. Get behind me here. I'm telling you, a seafood pastry shop. It's a good idea. No, it's a terrible idea, folks. It won't. Yeah, she pooed my ice. Pastry. Last okay. week, last week, Arlette, I had the brilliant idea. I was talking to my wife. I said, you know, when I was a kid, I loved Sloppy Joe's. It was a big deal in our house. I know, you know, we had won the football game or whatever it was. Um, it came home, and, and they were going to have Sloppy Joe's for dinner. I was like, yes. And I asked myself, I said, I'm an adult now. I'm doing okay. You know, we got a pretty nice house and everything. Um, why am I not eating Sloppy Joe's every night for dinner? Because they were great when I was a kid. That was the, the pinnacle. That and taco hit me, Arlette. I said, why hasn't anybody put the Sloppy Joe inside a taco shell? It's a million-dollar idea. I believe in it. And uh, I was very excited about it, and I, I went and got some taco uh, shells, and I was making Sloppy Joe the other and my wife's like, I'm not eating that. What are you – I said, no, I've got dinner. It's going to be great. She's like, I am not putting that in my body. That's not going to happen. I said, well, you don't know what you're missing out on. You can, you know, I don't know, have some arugula or whatever you're going to eat. And, um, yeah, she, they were pretty good, but I think she was right. I don't think it's a million-dollar idea. <laughs> in my mind, it was much better than the reality. <laughs> Maybe well, she was, that's I, usually how it starts. In your mind, oh, it's telling. a great idea, and then when it comes to fruition, you're like, mm, this didn't really work out the way I thought. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Last thing my wife said about it was she's like, well, you made that whole pan. Now you got you have to eat. I'm like, I'm going to go to the store and get some buns because taco shells and sloppy joes, not so much. <laughs> not so much. Yeah, um, the, the, the sloppy joe might be a little heavy on a taco shell. Oh, I'm telling you, I was eating Sloppy Joe's for three days. I had to eat that whole can of Oh, my gosh. Anyhow, it can't waste anything, you know. And not, not how. Anyhow. Well, the movie, folks, again, The Lonesome Trail, uh, if you're looking for a family-oriented Western something, you know, there's not a bunch of cursing in this. There's not a bunch of, you know, people getting shot oh, in the face or anything like that. It's a good film. It's a good film, and Thanks. I can just it's out, right, Arlette? People can see it now, or is it yet to come? Oh out? yeah, they can see it. Uh, you can see it on uh, Verizon, on Dish TV, uh, Comcast. Nice. You can see it on um, Amazon Prime. You can see it on Apple TV. You can see it on iTunes. Oh my goodness! They, you you can see it just about any and everywhere, and definitely go to your Walmart and your Best Buy and ask for it because um, the more that you ask for it, the more that you know they'll carry it. Well, very very cool. Well, you know that's got to be a cool feeling, our life. It's got to be such a cool feeling after all this work, pushing this boulder up the hill. You know, just for for a couple <laughs> of years. You know. You can yeah. flip on the TV with the with the with the button and see your film looking out at you. That's pretty cool. It's, it's a blessing from God. I mean, it it truly is. I am grateful. Um, it shows that you know you work hard and and 
you know, you will see um, the fruits of your labor. Well, fantastic. Fantastic. Folks, like I said, we have links up. These links stay active. Um, and also, we're going to be adding the Instagram and the Amazon uh, direct link for the book. For the book. For you readers out and there, I suggest. You can film on DVD, and you can oh. get it on Blu-ray. So definitely add the link for the DVD and the Blu-ray and the book. Absolutely. And Absolutely. The book is I'll make it happen. And the book is also on Kindle, so you can see it, um, you know, read it on Kindle. You can read it in paperback, or you can get it in hardcover. Nice, nice. Well, Arlette, I want to thank you so much. Like I said, I know we had to move the show on Monday, but I really appreciate you hung with me. And, um, you know, I had so much fun uh, just talking to you today. It was really, really cool. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I'm sure Kenneth tells you this every day, um, keep doing what you're doing. You're real, real good at it, you know, seriously. That means a lot. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, folks, you know, it's funny. At the beginning of these shows, I always, uh, I try not to do the three-hour Joe Rogan podcast. I really do. Uh, But we always have interesting people on. So it's hard. It's really hard. At the beginning of the hour, before we went on the air, I asked uh, Arlette, I'm like, hey, you good for a half hour, you know, 20 minutes or something like that? It's been an hour, Arlette. (laughs) It's been an hour. Can you believe it? Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry for keeping you longer. I hope. I enjoyed it. Oh, I did, too. I did, too. I hope uh, the, the length didn't mess you up on your next interview. Oh, my gosh. No. Um, my fault. If it good, good, good. Well, folks, I'm going to add these links. I'm going to convert this to a podcast, um, you know, and that's where we, uh, that's where we put all the, uh, our commercials from our fabulous sponsors in. Be sure to check them out. Use their code. They all have a code where you can save a couple bucks, you know, to pick up the book or the movie or the Blu-ray. Uh, you know, it's uh, of, of the Lonesome Trail. Very, very cool movie. I enjoyed it. I recommend it. You should definitely check it out. Uh, very cool. We, uh, we're off for a couple days, and then we're back this Friday. So we will see you then. We've, uh, uh, we're going to be talking to another filmmaker. So uh, check that out. You can always go to my website, uh, US, like, you know, United States. And, um, or, I always forget this one, uh, just go to poprocksradio.com. That'll get you to the radio page directly. And you can always see who's coming up on the show. We've got a lot of cool guests coming, a lot of cool guests. And, uh, and check back every couple of days because sometimes we get a little behind here and we, we've got to, it takes us a day or two to uh, get them up. But we will see you next time, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And check out The Lonesome Trail. Arlette, you rock. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. This was great. Absolutely. We'll see you next time, everybody. Bye. This has been pop art painter Jamie Rocks' Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. It has been executive produced by Jamie Rocks, recorded at his studio in Deerfield Beach in South Florida. All rights reserved by Pop Rocks Limited for broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. Tana oli Pop Rocks Radio. 
Estás escuchando Jamie Rocks de Pop Rocks Radio. Manténganse al tanto. Hey, det här är Hicks från Sverige och ni lyssnar till Pop Rocks Radio med Jamie Rocks. Blog Talk Radio. 